rhapsody, enthusiastic expression of feeling, an epic poem, a recitation, highly emotional utterance, literary, music in a regular form, stitched together, improvised, a collection of effusive, extravagant discourse, rapturous ecstasy. You're listening to A Rose Rhapsody. I understand. And now, the read in character. Janie by Greg Vovos. Read by Raven Bonowell. Okay, so you saw that. And I'm sorry you did. I I mean, it's not what I should have done. It's not motherly behavior. But sometimes, sometimes, kiddo, I just, well, I, fuck. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that either. Jeez, what the hell is wrong with me? My God, I can't stop. Okay, thing is, sometimes even moms get angry, right? Sometimes we lose our cool. Like, I know you like to think I'm perfect. Why are you looking at me like that? You don't think I'm perfect? Okay. Well, anyway, look, when I flipped you off, I wasn't flipping you off. I mean, okay, I was, but I wasn't. Does that make sense? Seems like it's not making sense to you. Look, giving someone the middle finger is not nice and you should never do it ever. And I don't. I mean, I I did, but I don't do it even if I did. You know what I'm saying? It's just my emotions got the best of me. Yeah, they got the best of me. And, well, I guess that you can just say that they took a hold of my body. Like it wasn't me. It was my emotions manipulating my fingers as if I were abducted by an alien. No, 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 no. Don't cry. Mommy wasn't abducted by an alien. I mean, I don't think so. Wait a second. Yes. Mommy was abducted by an alien, and that's why she popped you the bird, because the alien took control of me and forced me to do something I would never, ever in my life do otherwise, because I love you so much, and your mommy's special little boy, even when you're screaming at me so loud that my ears start to bleed and I feel like you're a banshee trying to pry its way free from the ninth circle of hell. What I want you to take from all of this is mommy is strong and she fought off that alien. See, the alien was trying to make me do bad things and I almost did. Well, I guess technically I did, but I broke free and when I did, it was the alien I flipped off. I said, you want some of this? You want me to flip someone off? Well, here you go, Mr. Spacey Man. Here you go. And when I did that, the alien knew that it was no match for me and he got in his spaceship and flew far, far away. No, no, no. The alien won't come back. I'm sure of it. As long as you're sweet and loving to mommy and you brush your teeth, and you go to bed when mommy tells you in that sweet and patient way that I do, then that alien will never come back, and mommy will never flip you off again. Assuming you don't push my fucking buttons. Okay, honey? You've been listening to Janie, 
by Greg Vovos. I'm Raven Bonnewell. Marco by Amy Toft, read by Ray Ficka. Lived under the Verrazano Bridge all my life. Loved my wife Sophia since the day she first set me right on how to talk to her. That was a long drive home from Yonkers. Me and Sophie got two good daughters and a son I'd still allow under my roof. They've all heard it and know it's my only house rule. It's the law in my house. And it goes like this. No treats for the second poop. You heard me. Treats for the first little do. Nice little pat on the head. But no treats for the second poop. No, sir. You see, Sophia loves her little brown worn-out toothbrush of a dog. He yaps at everything passing by. A stoop, smart little thing. I, I love my wife. But that's not what we're discussing. We're talking about treats and poops. The little mutt wonder takes his turn round the block in the park, taking care of his business. He gets a biscuit treat for a pee in the gutter. No treat for a pee on the sidewalk. A bacon treat for a pee on the bush. No treat for a pee on the neighbor's lazy cat, although I have long questioned this as an oversight. No treat for any interaction with the Blessed Virgin on any yard. Heaven help us. So the toothbrush learns his lessons, and out comes the poop. Poop. And then whoever might be walking him has to scoop. I love my Sophie and poop means a treat. So what do you think he does? What do you think that rascal little mutt with a brain the size of my fist got the nerve to do? He spreads him out. Starts holding back a little. Not sure he does that, but he holds back a little and spreads out the poops. Can't do that with the waterworks. Doesn't work that way. So, how can you maximize your treats as a four-legged critter? A second, a third, a fourth poop as we go around the block. I seen it with my own eyes. First poop, bacon treat, please. Two, oh, looky there. Guess I better get another treat, please. Three, good golly, had no idea. Treat, please, treat, please, treat, please. The next thing I know, I'm getting strong on by a canine racket. No, sir. <laughs> I don't think so. No treat for the second poop. My daughter hits her sister fighting over a toy. She gets a stern talking to. She hits her sister again. No treat for the second poop. My son breaks his curfew once. He gets a lecture on what happens when a young man stays out too late doing God knows what with who knows what. He breaks his curfew again. No treats for the second poop. I'm the boss of my house. My pop was a neck-wringing kind of fella. I can only rule in the ways I know how. My wife takes good care of me and all of us. It's her dog and her kids. I love my wife. Last night I saw this woman watching the Mets down at the kettle. Samantha. Was one of those young ladies comes out to visit but left Bay Ridge years ago. I couldn't help but notice the red string on her under things. It was showing. It was red. I couldn't help but notice. Oh, she is real nice. Healthy, fit, young Mets fan with lots of long blonde hair. She said she broke up with her husband. I love my wife. The Mets lost. But it was a real good game. 
must have been a good game because I couldn't smell anything funny on my clothes but beer. I don't remember much after the Mets gave up four runs in the sixth and that little red string feeling like silk stretched tight across soft satin. So, yeah, I touched it a few times. Yeah, I did more than that. I still don't know how Sophia does it, how she sniffs me out before I even walk in the door. I got home at 2 a.m., snuck upstairs to bed, and all she left behind in the empty house was a box of cold pizza on her pillow with a note. No treats for the second poop, it said. No treats for the second poop. You've been listening to Marco by Amy Toft, and I'm Ray Ficka. Yes, Virginia, No, Virginia, by Clinton Festa, read by Rick Foshe. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Thank God. He lives and he lives forever. A thousand years from now, Virginia, nay, ten times ten thousand years from now, he will continue to make glad the heart of childhood. The tooth fairy I'm not so sure about. I tried to trap her when I was a boy, but it didn't go too well. I'm not particularly proud of this, Virginia, but I placed one of my baby teeth in a mouse trap under my pillow. And I awoke to the sound of my father screaming, My finger! My finger! Francis, you idiot! What the heck is wrong with you? I should have hung a sticky fly strip instead. Anyway, on to the Easter bunny. Nope, not real. Scientific fact, bunnies don't lay eggs. Not even Australian bunnies. But chocolate is chocolate, so who cares? Giant squids are real, Virginia. So are ninjas. Zombies and vampires are not. Ghosts definitely are. Boogeyman, fake. Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster, real. We have pictures. Sometimes I suspect there may be invisible cows in my backyard, Virginia. And where there are invisible cows, there is invisible cow poop. If not, how else could my tennis shoes smell the way they do? This brings me to aliens. You'd have to be a complete moron not to believe in aliens. Thousands of years ago, Earth was a party planet. Alien swingers would come from across the galaxy to enjoy the company of our cave women. Those extraterrestrials weren't just passing by to ask for directions. Yes, Virginia, aliens are real, and they're your ancestors. So there you have it. It was very kind of you to write to my fringe media outlet, Virginia, where we're not afraid to tell the truth. Just remember, if you read a fantastic conspiracy theory on our webpage, it must be so. You've been listening to Yes, Virginia, No, Virginia, by Clinton Festa. I'm Rick Foshe. Blanca, by Michael Wells Oaks, read by Luz Nicolás. I was seven years old. We just arrived from Puerto Rico. We had just arrived at the apartment of my uncle Rodolfo, who is now dead. We were all there in his apartment. It was small. It was crowded. <laughs> the four of us, Papa, Mama, Baby Victor, and me, and Rodolfo, and Rodolfo's girlfriend. There was a bed. There was a kitchen. 
There was a bathtub. There was a sink. There was a toilet in the hallway. There was too much. Uncle Rodolfo was in his underwear. His girlfriend was under the covers. My father was saying, we need a place. You said if we came, you could give us a place. You said that, Rodolfo. What? His girlfriend said. We are your family, Rodolfo. I am his family. My father shook his head. We need a place to live at least for a few weeks. Uncle Rodolfo made a sound. I guess you could call it a moan, like a kind of, like maybe he was sick, but angry and sick too. And it had hints of sadness in it as well. My father was a musician. My father played the guitar. He looked at his older brother and said again, your family needs you. Everyone was silent. I thought, we need a place to stay, but I want a better place. I don't want to stay in a place so crowded, so full of people for even a week. I want a place that has my room, not one room with many people. I do not want this. Where else can we go? I heard my papa saying, where else can we go? I looked out the window. It was open a tiny bit at the bottom. I could feel the coolness of the air. I felt dizzy, like I was going to faint. I walked toward the window. At least until I get a job, Rodolfo. Jesus H. Christ! That's what his girlfriend said. Jesus H. Christ! I put my head against the cool window glass. Papa said, where can I find a job in one day? I looked out the window. Across the street, there was a nightclub. My father had played in nightclubs, beautiful nightclubs in Puerto Rico. My great-grandmother ran her own nightclub in Puerto Rico. That nightclub is part of the story, too. That's where my parents met. My ancestors owned a club in Puerto Rico once. I looked at the nightclub. I looked at it. And for the first time, I felt, how can I describe this feeling? A feeling like I'm surrounded by power. The power of desire surrounded me like, like the pulsing of a bird's wings, quick and steady and full of power, secret power, power. That was the first time. I was seven years old on 48th Street between 6th and 7th Avenue. I said, look, Papa, a nightclub, El Corazón Llorando. So, my father said, so. You can work there. That's where you can work. Then we won't have to live here. Then we won't need Uncle Rodolfo's apartment. Blanca, my mother said. Things don't work that way in New York City, honey, the girlfriend said. I was seven years old. We had just arrived from Puerto Rico. Papa, come look. Everybody crowded around the window and looked out down at the club at El Corazón Llorando. 
I picked up and gave my father his guitar. He looked at me. He took his guitar. He left the apartment. We all watched from the window. We watched Papa crossing the busy street. He got across. We watched him enter the nightclub. If you want something, you cannot be afraid. I was not afraid then. I was not afraid then to say what I wanted. Now I'm a grown-up. Papa began working at El Corazón Llorando that very night. He worked there for 32 years until he died in the same summer as my mother. He even got to play his guitar a few times. And we never lived with Uncle Rodolfo or any of his girlfriends ever. You have been listening to Blanca by Michael Wells Oaks. I am Luz Nicolás. Lowell by Robert Alexander Ray. Read by, well, me, Chris Dezen. How? If I die and there's a funeral, promise me, please, as a friend and fellow actor, that you will never let a preacher or a priest say anything at my service. Nothing whatsoever. I don't want some religious charlatan, a fucking priest, saying, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall, you know, walk with sheep, whatever. I want it not. No phony prayers or eulogies. Maybe something like, he's in a dream from which he never has to wake. That's okay. My mom knows this, so it's fine. But just in case, reminder. Also, as far as funeral arrangements, my dad left me a ton of money. So tell my mom, and I'll tell her tomorrow if I make it to tomorrow, that she's to use some of that money to fly you and all my friends out to Michigan, to Ann Arbor, and ask them all to tell stories. Just stories. Even the bad ones. You've got, you've got volumes of those. And just you know, invite everyone. My New York friends, my Hollywood friends. Invite everybody. But don't invite Becky Sedgwick. I do not want her there or anywhere near there. She's going to talk about how we were supposed to get married and buy a brownstone in the village and have kids and start a theatrical dynasty. It'll be a downer. She's not invited. It'll be depressing. Social standing's crucial to me, even beyond the grave. If she were to make me look like an asshole, that'd be just catastrophic. Then again, so what? And fuck it. I'm dead. Eh, let her let her come. You've been listening to the read in character. Episodes of The Rose Rhapsody drop the first Monday of every month and can be found on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you take your listening pleasure. That 
That fabulous horn you've been hearing belongs to Marcus Roots, along with his collaborator on the keys, Adrian Ruiz. Additional tracks from Sessions of Rhapsody in Blue feature guitarist Matt Gold, Hayter Garcia on percussion, and the tenor saxophone of Irving Pierce. To learn more about us and what we do, head over to theroserhapsody.com. And if you love interesting new content as much as we do, spread the word or drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. week's podcast was produced by Trevor Cochran and Richard C. Washer and is a product of the Rose Theatre Company. All rights reserved. I'm Leslie Kopelinski. Now let's get back to that horn. Thank <laughs> you.